Simmons, the founder of Greedy Vegan, and welcome back to another episode of Catch-Ups in My Kitchen. This podcast is about all things food, plant-based food, non-plant-based food, and everything in between. This podcast aims to discover people's food journeys and stories, because whether you are a professional in sport, work in beauty, or the food industry itself, everyone has got a story to tell. This podcast means so much to me and Greedy Vegan. So if you do enjoy this episode, please, please like, share and subscribe. I hope you're hungry as there is a lot cooking in this conversation. This week, I'm joined by Toria Smith, the founder of Grape and Fig, which are hands down the most beautiful grazing boards I have ever seen. I have to firstly mention that due to Toria being seven months pregnant, this episode was recorded over Zoom. But I was so excited to speak to Toria about the grape and fig journey that I was very happy to compromise. Toria goes through the journey of grape and fig in this episode, from seeing beautiful boards in Byron Bay in Australia, to now being the first and finest grazing caterer in the UK. Toria shares so much with us, such as some tips on how to create your own beautiful grazing board, her view on plant-based cheeses, and how food brings people together. So without further ado, let's jump straight in. So before we start and get involved in all the questions, do you mind giving a 30-second elevator pitch about kind of who you are and what you do? Good thing to know. Okay, my name is Tori Smith. Um, I'm the founder and owner of Grape and Fig. We um, are the first and finest grazing caterer um, in the UK, specialising in 100% British cheese and charcuterie. Amazing. It is honestly so beautiful. Like if anyone uh, listening hasn't checked your Instagram out, they must because it's just aesthetically just heaven. Um, Thank you. (laughs) But a little tradition on the podcast is we have some quick fire questions all about food. So before we kick off, let's start with those. So sweet or savoury? savoury juicy burger or overloaded salad salad ice cream or sorbet ice cream crisps or popcorn crisps cook in or eat out eat out and favorite delivery oh anything at the moment um oh goodness me what do i think uh sushi Probably. Yeah, it's a good one. It's not one that you can make yourself very easily, so it's a good one to, to have delivered to your door. It is. A little treat. Definitely. Definitely. So where I want to start is I want to talk about grazing as a whole. So I know that you guys have kind of redefined the term grazing, but I wanted to hear from you like what grazing is and where you've taken it. Okay, so I guess it's... it's um it can mean I guess a lot of different things you know cows graze on uh, grass and you know you can graze on snacks and nuts and things like that throughout the the day so there's lots of different um I guess ways of thinking about grazing but in terms of this this um really big wave this trend of grazing where cheese I guess and antipasti and meats are in the center um the the concept really for 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 my experience we we I saw that in Australia back in like 2012 um and it essentially really was um 
kind of a, a buffet, you know, like a, a buffet that we're used to kind of seeing and eating. You know, it's very kind of 70s in its nature. But I guess here in the UK, we're used to kind of seeing sandwiches and sausage rolls and quite beige, but food that's really quite relaxed that people can go and help themselves to um, have as much or as little as they like uh, and for it to be kind of part of a display that people take from. Um, that was what we saw in Australia, but instead of kind of stodgy beige food that wasn't necessarily, um, uh, you know, unbelievably tasty or really, really gorgeous to look at, what they did is uh, replace all of those foods with with cheese and charcuterie at, at the centre with lots of different antipasti and dips and bread. So really kind of a, like an Antipodean feast, really. Um, something that genuinely bought people together around a table created conversations looked you know amazing but tasted even better so that's where that's the first time that I heard of kind of the whole grazing trend realized that it was a huge huge um craze over in Australia it'd been there for kind of four or five years already but like a lot of the food trends they're really quite ahead of the curve over there. You know, the whole brunch, you know, avocado brunch thing was started over there five years before it became a big thing in London. The whole artisan coffee um, craze, you know, has been there years before we kind of really caught up. Um, so, yeah, it just, just saw that it really took me aback. It wasn't kind of a small display. It was a huge grazing table, you know, that could feed hundreds of people. Um, just seemed far less stuffy than small canapes in this was a wedding that I saw it on, on in Byron Bay um so yeah and, and it kind of just stuck with me and then four years later um I wanted that for my wedding but couldn't find anyone in the UK who kind of understood the aesthetic you know of it didn't really understand how it should really look you know I, did, I didn't want things I didn't want olives and little ramekins for example you know I wanted the the, the aesthetic of the grazing table so that's where um that's from my experience where the first time I heard of grazing and experienced what it was about yeah that's so true because when I think about kind of going to an event in the UK you can't you can kind of see like the mini sausage rolls and like little pork pies and sandwiches and stuff and it's it's very old-fashioned and it's not very modern like food has developed so much and you're right, it's probably all come from Australia because they were the first for lots of different things. So, yeah, it yeah. makes so much, so much sense. So in Australia, you obviously mentioned you were at a wedding. So were, was that the reason that you went to Australia or were you kind of travelling around a little bit as well? No, we, we were, we were tra my husband and I, well, he wasn't my husband at the time, but we were travelling for a year um, and was in Byron Bay for a week or so. And we were just walking past, past a wedding, um, okay. on the coast, saw this amazing teepee, saw this gorgeous table. And it just, just genuinely hadn't seen anything like that in the UK before, um, let alone a wedding. Um, yeah. and you know, I didn't think there and then, Oh, I'm going to go home and, and make a business out of this. At, you know, not at all came home, um, was in another job for kind of five years. It was only, it, it just seemed to be the right time and right place when I, um, got married and, wanted what I'd seen um it was quite Australasian inspired anyway my wedding in terms of you know being outside and teepees and just the general look and yeah just just was quite surprised how difficult it was to find a caterer mm. um, and it was only then when I thought actually there's a there's a real big gap here um 
And I think, you know, more relaxed weddings, lots of trends that were coming over from Australia and also the US as well. I kind of thought, okay, if this is going to become a bit of a trend and there's a massive gap in the market, then maybe maybe there's something here. Um, so, yeah, just started doing uh, grazing tables and platters for friends and family um, over, t- you know, 2016, 2017. And it just really, really organically built up, um, which was great. So, so cool. So at your own wedding, obviously, you couldn't find caterers to do what you had in mind. Did you then kind of combine your what your knowledge and their kind of doing them doing it to create what you what you wanted or did you just do it all yourself it was it was a bit of an amalgamation we 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 finally found a a caterer who the, the quality of their produce was really quite good um so it was essentially using their product and then my styling um and kind of putting those together so the morning of the wedding I popped over and put all kind of the leaves down all the foliage down I kind of had little labels as well like the day before I had little labels you know put this here put that there don't use any ramekins but kind of try and style it so that it works all and it it worked amazingly well and it was it genuinely was a talking piece of the wedding you know kind of I think it made people really relax when people, you know, we had the wedding, um, the, the service and people came back and it was just like, right, get into it. There's a, loads of food there, just um, get involved. And it just was, yeah, really relaxed. It kind of set the tone for the wedding, which was super important for us. Yeah, so nice. That really is so nice. So then after that, you mentioned that you're doing some for friends and family and then it kind of grew organically. How did mm. you scale it to what it is now? Um... So I guess I was doing it for, so I left my my full-time job at the end of 2018. So yeah, just over a year, I was um, juggling both, juggling my full-time job um, and doing this kind of in and around, fitting it, fitting it in. Um, I think I, at the beginning, it just was really organic, you know, doing it, as I said, to family and friends. And then I thought, right, okay, actually people were asking um, you know, you're doing it for free, just for some pictures and some feedback almost. Um, or I'd say, okay, this is my gift, you know, if it was a Hindu or whatever, okay, this is my gift to you or whatever. Um, and then, you know, people started asking for it for baby showers or christenings or birthdays and things. So um, I just built it up, built it up, started an Instagram, um, built my own website um, and then got a couple of celebrity jobs, which really kind of, um kind of escalated things you know at certain points so we did like Michelle Humes we did Billy Fairs and that exposure at that early stage does an, an awful lot um really really helped and because there, there genuinely wasn't anything like that around in the UK at all um and Instagram was a completely different beast back then you know it was very very picture heavy and um if there was anything new and interesting, it really was kind of like spearheaded through the app almost. So, um, yeah, it just really, really slowly, slowly built until it got to a point where I couldn't do both, really. So I I kind of had to pick one, you know, do I start turning work down with Grape and Fig or do I just take the the risk and, you know, quit this job? And it was a really, you know, good job, good, good, better security than I had with Grape and Fig better perks and things but um yeah just decided that I have to pick one and pick grape and fig and I've never looked back amazing it's a hard decision it is a hard decision when you're at that kind of 
crossroads and you could easily go down there they're not both they're both difficult options but like the easier route of the stability and then you pick the risk it is hard but yeah I mean amazing decision definitely the definitely yeah yeah and it could have you know could have not worked but the way I thought about it at the time was what's the worst that's going to happen you know try this see if it works if it doesn't just go back to the city and what I was doing before you know yeah. so great thing wasn't going to wait I, I guess is what I thought at the time so yeah, let's exactly. just go with that there was a huge gap so it, it definitely made a lot of sense so mm. then um, I read a, did a bit of research and then in 2019 I read that your sister came and joined the team. Yes. So why did you bring your sister on and what difference did that make for the for the company and how you guys operated? So, so yeah, a bit of a funny story really. So uh, all things are meant to be. Um, I'm a true believer in that. So I quit my job and um, – a couple of weeks after I left, it may have even just been a week, found out I was pregnant with my baby girl and my first uh, born. Um, so that was at the end of 2018. But I had a whole summer, or, or nearly booked up really, in 2019 because obviously I was building up all this business to feel secure enough to give up my job. So I had weddings and gorgeous events. Um had a contract with uh, one of Lord Sugar's businesses in 2019, um, like a corporate, con- well, my first kind of corporate contract. And yeah, so found out that I was expecting, she was due July, August 2019. So realised pretty soon, you know, after quitting my full-time job that I needed help. Um, I don't know how long, if, if that wasn't the case, I don't really know how long I would have just done it on my own. Probably too long, actually, knowing me. Uh, but yeah, just got my sister involved, asked my sister to quit her job and to come and do, you know, run the business with me as, you know, as equal partners. Um, and she said yes. And so she joined um, really early 2019 um, and kind of ran the business, really, while I was um, away for a short period of time, Um with ed um and yeah we've, we've we're still running it together we we work really really well together we have different kind of roles in the business so it, it kind of works really really well but yeah i just think it was just genuinely meant to be it was, it, that was meant to happen at that time i was meant to have a bit of a panic and think okay there's no one else i'd want to work with day in day out and trust um as much as kath uh so yeah and we're still together <laughs> that is amazing i mean how is it working with your sister and like how do you um, kind of separate the kind of family conversation and work conversation? Um, I think we've kind of nailed it, really. Like, don't get me wrong, with the stresses and strains that we've had over the past couple of years, um, you know, COVID <laughs> being one and yeah. uh, trying to get the business through that. And there, there has been lots of ups and downs, you know, personally and um, with work and things. So it, it can be difficult to kind of, draw a line uh, you know and try and create boundaries mm-hmm. um but you just you just learn how to work together you know we're, we're we're very 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 different very different like yin and yang um which I think helps actually because yeah. I've just got I've got one one approach to work I've got another approach to work it's not the same but they're both right they're both the way that we you know conduct ourselves and um we yeah work when we're in work work comes first and then if you know we've got time to you know do whatever you know in and around that but I think when we're at work our priority is is kind of work and I think but 
the most important thing is we, we just trust each other implicitly, like really, really trust each other. We know that we both care awfully. And we, that's one thing we've learned with, especially with teams and people, it's, it's hard to find people who genuinely really care about your business, which is your little baby, yeah. but it's kind of like our little baby together. So our highest priority is is our customers. And, and I think that's why it works. Because we, yeah, we trust each other and we care massively. That's so great to have that. I mean, that's like kind of like the dream situation, but it doesn't always work out. So it's so good. No, I can, I, I do understand how working with family it can get, you know, it, it, it can get a little bit toxic or whatever, but we're, we're quite good at communicating. You know, we always, you know, if there's an issue or whatever, we're constantly, constantly communicating. And, and as I said, there's always ups and downs, but there is with any team or any yeah. kind of relationship, it's just, you have to make it work. We're, there's only two years between us. So we're awfully close. So yeah we are very lucky that it works so well yeah. no amazing so I want to also ask about the name grape and fig where did that come from do you know what let me think so I remember being on my lunch break in uh, my old job and thinking right I've got to think of a name and I didn't really want like platter or grazing or cheese or anything like that in it because <clears throat> I kind of always had a bit of a vision that I wanted it to become, you know, something like a, a brand, like something more than just a platter company or a grazing company. So that was quite important. And I always wanted wine to be um, central to kind of the brand as well. You know, cheese and wine, tasting, workshops, all of that kind of stuff. All, all, way back then, I knew that I wanted it to kind of go in that direction if possible. So I think that's where the grape came from. Um, you know, because we use grapes and all of our produce, but also kind of grape, wine, wine, grape. Mm-hmm. Um, and just love figs, just love love how they look, love the word. So I just kind of thought, oh, grape and fig sounds, it just sounded quite nice, rolled off the tongue quite nice. Um, yeah, and that was it. And now you have, you know, all of our competitors, it, it kind of started a trend almost. There's, there's you know, after, after us, there's lots of, um, you know, you know, oranges and figs and olives and not olives and whatever, yeah. whatever it is, uh, which, which we take as a compliment. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think that's amazing how sometimes the simplest name that just doesn't take too much thought actually is the best because it just yeah. felt right and makes sense and it's a bit different and it's also really memorable and it looks great. The two words look really nice together. So, um, mm. yeah, that's really good. So one thing you can mention is, um, corporate, you do a lot of corporate things now. So mm. where did the shift go between doing things kind of like friends and family and like, I don't know, christenings and that kind of thing to then doing more uh, corporate things? Um, I, I think, you know, if, if we looked at our kind of books now, I, I guess we would be, I don't know, would we be 60, 40 in, in favour of kind of corporate and, and brands? Um, I think the segue into that was working with, with brands, really. So very very early on we started working with the likes of you know benefit or h&m um fenty beauty so we we you know we were working with these really lovely global brands you know instagram facebook for their events you know be it press events um or you know impl- you know really earlier you know they they happen all the time now but back then really early influencer events when they first started um, so that kind of gave us into a window in kind of London almost because we're we're just outside of London, um, mm-hmm. Grape and Fig, and we're doing a lot in and around Essex, 
in the early days. So but that gave us kind of a, a foothold really into London. And then I think just word grew really, you know, a lot of working in different venues helps an awful lot. So you work in one venue with a brand and the venue like how you work and if you're professional and easy to work with and don't leave your rubbish and things like that. You know, it's little things like that that go a long way. And then they recommend you. Um and then, you know, I think cor- you know, big corp corporations then started to um hear about us. It's all been word of mouth. We've never really done any advertising at all. It's all been word of mouth and they um, are there to impress their clients and their VPs, um, and that's kind of what our catering does. It impresses. It, it you know it's memorable. So that's that's kind of how we started working in in the corporate world, and that all that all went in 2020 um, when mm-hmm. um, COVID hit because no one was spending any money. No one was in the offices, um, so we kind of reverted back almost to domestic and mailers for brands so sending things to people's doors rather than at events but this year we've seen the shift back back to kind of corporate which which we which we love it's so good to have both I guess because it gives you so much Mm. diversity and flexibility if in cases like COVID where you have to pivot like you have that opportunity so I guess that's so good and kind of refreshing and I guess now with companies wanting to kind of bring people back into the offices and create more events and bringing people together it's like the perfect kind of facilitator for that it is yeah and and the kind of food that we 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 really do try to be you know we intentionally ensure that we're not all things to all people you know someone comes to us and says you know can we have hot food no you know it's not what we do we really are quite strict and stick to our product and what we know we're good at and so so for a lot of events it's not right um but for you know if if you for these corporations if they want something that's quite relaxed quite informal but very 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 chic and very very kind of ultra premium produce uh, and for something that looks incredible as well as tastes incredible that's kind of where we fit in um and i think that's what the, the our clients like you know we're not always right for every single event but when we are right we're kind of the a really good choice yeah no definitely I think that's also so key that you can't be there for everyone you've got to be good at what you're you're good at and then yeah, yeah that's so true and so you mentioned the word kind of like impress and that is definitely what your boards do they are very impressive where's your flair for kind of presentation come from because it is a real art to like how it looks yeah we, we kind of it, it's almost really evolved really so her grazing tables looked a, a certain way and that definitely was inspired by what I'd seen um, in Australia and also things that I'd started to see from kind of LA. That's a really kind of a, a lovely place of influence as well. Um, and then when we created the platters during 2020, so essentially we scaled down these amazing grazing tables into platters that you could fashion in a, in a more modular way. So you could create kind of a grazing table with different, um, different types of platters. So when we look, it's it, it just very organic, really. You know, you, when you're dealing with six or different different cheeses, um, you know, five different charcuterie, just making them look beautiful on the board. We, we're really influenced by seasonality. So what's in season and how that how that's best presented on a on a board and how we can make hero products really really stand out so certain certain cheeses of the week or the month um 
yet yeah, a lot of our stuff is local so a lot of garnishes are local as well so like homegrown lavender and edible flowers and how we present that on a board um present you know art we're really you know art and nature we're, we're constantly influenced by things like that um and it's a team effort as well it's not just me and Catherine now we've got a team and so people have different ideas of you know it's kind of like a, a process and it's really lovely so people might think oh you know how about we do this this way oh actually that's much easier to eat from for example so it's not just about presentation for us and looking nice it's about how the consumer how how enjoyable and how easy is it to eat you know people don't want a platter that looks absolutely amazing but the second they start digging in it looks like a complete and utter mess you know they don't want it they don't want something that's really hard to eat you know big hard blocks of cheese they want it pre-cut all these different things you have to consider when looking at the presentation so it's a real process yeah no for sure and if for people who are listening and they're thinking oh I really want to like I'm doing I've got a dinner party this weekend I want to do a little spread could you like share with us a few like tips on kind of the main staples or how you do it like how you present it yeah well we've got um during lockdown we actually created a six-step platter method because we were um essentially posting lots of DIY kits out because we couldn't actually be in person and cater for lots of people we created these packages and we created this step-by-step method so it's all over the internet just popping grape and fig six-step platter method and it'll come up um and it's all over our instagram in terms of like step by step but essentially what we do is we start with the hero product which is always our cheeses 100 we use 100 british kind of artisan cheese are the best you can buy um most of them you can't find in your kind of supermarket you know they're, they're made in gorgeous little independent you know little farm farm and dairies across the uk so start with your cheeses um don't you know scatter them around your platter make sure they're not all in one area then if you if you like to eat meat if you enjoy eating meat uh, add your charcuterie and if not you can add other elements in like falafel sweet potato pakora like other bulky items uh that kind of can replace the, the the meat aspect if that's what you want um and then you essentially want to create like a a border essentially around your platter so all of your hearty and your hard um and like sticky ingredients around the edge so that when you have your oily and rolly produce or like nuts olives blueberries whatever um you can kind of create little zones and little um, pockets in your platter to fill in um, and then you garnish and and all of that kind of stuff so there's definitely a method yeah. <laughs> there's definitely definitely a method that we that we apply yeah I know it's amazing and you can tell that and I think that also kind of links to what you're saying about ease because clearly like you start and you work your way in like you get your the bulkier item then you can kind of add that on top and then you can kind of work yeah. your way in and it kind of makes sense you've got kind of like roots um into the platter which is which is really really nice that's a lovely way yeah putting it yeah definitely and so your flair for food like have you always kind of been a foodie at heart um, and where's that kind of stemmed from um always love food that's, that's that goes without saying yeah I, you know I don't have any parents chefs or anything like that or you know any I, I guess my probably come from my mum my mum's always been someone who has you know excelled at communal eating experiences you know she brings all of my family together she loves you know, any any excuse to cook 
ridiculous amounts of food for like you know 20 of us you know at Christmas or Easter or whatever so we've always Catherine and I've always been around food being a really essential core um, ingredient in a gathering you know bringing people together so we've always you know appreciated really really good food and understood w- what it actually can do in, in, in for, for an event you know if you've got really good food that genuinely does bring people together it can really elevate the experience so um and you just absolutely love love food um love cheese genuinely love cheese fascinated by it um all different types of cheese vegan cheese you know um as well as kind of you know standard cheese uh and it's just it's really become you know at the beginning it was kind of the overall aesthetic for grazing table that really drew me in but now it's kind of a parallel with you know all of those aesthetics there's a parallel with you know an obsession with produce and making sure that what we put on a platter it may look quite similar to a lot of our competitors but when people taste the, the the produce that's why they keep coming back and back and back because it genuinely is um incredible uh, and if you loved you know love the finer things in life honeycomb and cheeses and all of this kind of charcuterie that's where we that's really where we excel yeah no definitely I think you really led me nicely onto my next kind of topic there where it, where it's food do, definitely does bring people together and I think that's why I created this podcast because food isn't just fuel obviously it does fuel us but it's not just fuel it does kind of create memories and moments and bring together friends and family and so I mean for you guys at Grape and Fig that must be a huge part of what you do because you are there to be you know the centerpiece at events centerpiece Mm. at people's occasions and like I guess that's a really large part of your business to an extent. Massively massively and I think when you look at our product range there's you know in essence, it's it's made for sharing. You know, we don't do, for a very short period of time during COVID, we did, you know, boxes for one. Because do you remember when you only could have six people in a park? You know? yeah. <laughs> so we like did, you know, a box for one, you know. Yeah. You know, buy six of them, get one free or something. Yeah. Uh, but, we, you know, the second we could, we just removed them off of the website. You know, it's not what we are about. We're about communal eating, um, communal you know dining experiences and the the very nature of our platters is is to you know they're to be shared um so so yeah and and we there's lots of different elements that you know as as we've said times over you know they look beautiful but they are just enjoyable to eat you know i i know what i like when i go to a, a party you know i would love a, a board like that um and it's not just cheese that we and charcuterie that we specialize in you know we do lots of different lots of different things you know bagels and fruit and crudite and hummus and afternoon tea lots of, lots of different platters um so we can cater for lots of, lots of different people but yeah in its very essence that they're, they're made for sharing yeah no definitely and you you mentioned um earlier about plant-based cheese so I know at Greedy Vegan we stock a few of the brands that you also have on your board such as like I'm mm. not okay and oh we brands. love them yeah. yeah and I wanted to um hear your thoughts on kind of the plant-based cheeses because often I'm vegan myself obviously founding Greedy Vegan I kind of have to be or um <laughs> but yeah I mean lots of people always say to me I just couldn't give up cheese and don't get me wrong completely understand that and no one should feel like they have to give up cheese like you don't have no. to however there are amazing plant-based cheeses out there so in your experience like what have you found with the plant-based cheeses like what 
you've said you kind of found it so amazing and you love the produce yeah talk a bit Mm. about that it's incredible really because when I started this finding I found it impossible to find a good vegan cheese I will be honest Mm. you know like we went to whole you know our wholesalers at the time just didn't stock it full stop end of didn't stock it um we're not with those kind of wholesalers anymore but more kind of mainstream wholesalers should I say um so you went to a supermarket this is being really honest you know we never do this now but you went to a supermarket and it just was plastic just awful it's almost just because it looks like cheese you can tick it off as a vegan it just tasted horrendous so for us then a vegan platter was a a truly an afterthought you know if someone didn't eat you know animal-based products it was like oh god i've got to do a a vegan platter it was it was painful to be honest because we wasn't proud of the of the produce because it was just horrible, just tasted horrible, the texture was horrible. And over the past couple of years, it just, the U-turn is amazing. Like the, we, this is God's honest truth, the, the feedback that we get on our platters, the most, the product that we get most positive feedback on are our vegan cheeses. And I think it's because people are surprised. They're surprised that one, they are vegan and two, how good they are. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're, we're really promoters of you know of our vegan products and we truly believe they shouldn't be an afterthought you shouldn't just because you have one vegan you shouldn't you know a lot of our customers say oh we've only got one vegan so does that mean we have to get a whole vegan platter like no it's not the way you should be thinking about it in actual fact you know meat eaters vegetarians vegans all alike will enjoy these products they're amazing it's there's two of my favorite cheese you know out of my top five two of them are vegan honestly um so yeah, there's a couple of independent, especially like London-based vegan cheese creators. I am nuts, okay, being one of them. They're just doing an amazing job, an incredible job. And I think there just needs to be more, which we're trying an awful lot, especially with our sustainability message and things, especially with the corporates. You know, it should be just part of, you know, if, they, if they're ordering five platters, one of them we think should be vegan because people need to be, um exposed i think to kind of the the amazing products that are out there for vegans you know my husband is um more or less a vegan um so you know he'll dabble slightly in some milk products sometimes but that's pretty much it so that was a big motivator for me as well to make sure that there were products that we were um that we were putting out there that were enjoyable for people who you know as you say don't eat cheese yeah, it's so refreshing hearing you say that because I mean I completely agree with this as well and this is kind of why I started Greedy Vegan because I was like there's so many amazing brands out there now that people don't see and aren't mm. able to access, especially if you're not London based. Like obviously I am London based and I have it all like walking distance away. But actually, mm. you know, my family are from Somerset and I'm always like, God, oh, you know, my mum's a massive cheese lover. She's definitely not vegan. And I'm always like, try this, try that. And she's so amazed. And it's just trying to get all these amazing brands out there to more people and trying to get rid of the whole vegan reputation, which is a bit like, oh, you know, plasticky cheese and doesn't taste very nice and a bit earthy and a bit, you yeah. know, not flavor, like no flavor. So, yeah, I think it's so important to try and like change this reputation and change people's thoughts on it. So, um, yeah, it's definitely, like, yeah, it's definitely a perception thing, hundred percent. And I yeah. think, and I think they've come an awful long way as well. You know, mm, um, but there's 
yeah definitely some way to go <laughs> yeah definitely so out of interest what are your top five cheeses well they change on a monthly basis um genuinely because we work with so many lovely suppliers that they're they're always coming out with kind of new cheeses i'd say at the moment so truffle baron bigot uh by fen farm is just i it's just i could talk about cheese all day so i won't go into detail about all of them we will be here all day i'd say that yeah baron bigger uh the, the truffle um i would say at the moment blooming white uh which is a kind of a brie style blue by shepherd's purse is incredible um rosary ash goats very very good best goat cheese we've ever tasted and it's in all of our cheese-based platters incredible um and then i would say the canon bird by palace culture which is a vegan uh, cheese truffle um incredible it's it, kind of like a camembert but it's vegan and it's got a truffle infused layer in it mm. it's amazing and i would also say the geo 80 by so kind of the goat by i'm not okay is just I just think it goes with I'm never not in the mood for that cheese. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I um, agree. That is a really so, yeah. nice one. It's really fresh. It's light. We have that one on um, greedy vegan. I haven't tried. I've tried a few of the Palace Culture cheeses, but not the Camembert. So definitely need to try that one. Definitely one of their best. Yeah, yeah. they're really. We started working with them at the beginning of the year, um, and so we work with kind of both those those vegan brands. But they're doing really really well, and the cheeses are really 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 good yeah they are so delicious and it's so nice to for everyone now to be part of the same kind of group and they can all have everyone can have cheeses now and they can all everyone can feel part of it just think it's really nice because i think beforehand vegans kind of felt a bit like oh what am i gonna have now i know i feel like that we're all included exactly and that is it you shouldn't feel like an afterthought you shouldn't be you you shouldn't be someone you've got to squeeze in you know we often get asked you know we've got a couple of vegans can we have you know some separate boxes for them no like it goes against everything we we stand for they should be able to share in the experience as well as you know cheese you know cheese lovers meat lovers it should be and and that's why our classes work so well that they're modular you know you don't have to buy one grazing table which they're fed up to 30 with lots of different cheeses and meats um you can buy you know separate platters and set them up as close or as far away from each other as you like but still have that communal experience and it, it works wonderfully yeah definitely and I think what we were saying earlier about kind of changing the perception on veganism like you guys are doing such an amazing job with that because it's all kind of aesthetic based so they're Mm. like oh that can't be vegan but obviously it is so their perception will just change a bit from that which I think is really really nice and yeah really great yeah so I always finish this uh podcast with another tradition and it is to ask you what your last meal would be so starter, main course, and dessert. It's one of my favourite questions. Um, oh, it's it can be from coming. anywhere. It can be from anywhere. Anyone's cooking. They don't have to be linked. Just your last meal. I just, I think that's really hard. I like food too much to narrow it down to three three courses. Um, what would I pick at the moment? I would say to start... Um, See, I'm I'm seven months pregnant at the moment, so I'm eating absolutely everything, which is probably... <laughs> uh, so uh, what would I say? Uh, to start, I'd say at the moment, maybe French onion soup uh, mm-hmm. with some lovely um, 
maybe some like French cheese or something at the top, uh, you know, sprinkled over the top with some croutons. I love the autumn and I love the winter. And we're kind of stepping into that phase, aren't we now? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, soups and stews and things are kind of top of my list. I, I love all that kind of food. Yeah. For uh, Maine, I would say... Uh, at the moment, what would I say? Maybe some truffle pasta. I have a bit of a craving for that at the moment. Truffle pasta. Um, and for dessert, without a doubt, cheese board. And I know it's a bit of a cliche, but if there's a really good cheese board on a menu um, at a restaurant, I would definitely bypass the dessert and go for the cheese board and experience um, yeah, what they're putting on the menu. So, yeah, that, that for the moment, I know it's a bit bizarre and a bit weird and not very connected, but that's what I'd say at the moment. Yeah, perfect. No, they are never connected. It's always very fun because it can it can literally be anything. So, um, so that sounds delicious. Well, thank you so much for coming and talking all things grazing and grape and fig. It was so lovely to chat to you about it. And I think what you're doing is so amazing and just so aesthetically pleasing, but also delicious and local produce and all your values are just great so thanks so much thank you for having me it's been a pleasure thank you thank you guys so much for listening and i hope you enjoyed hearing the grape and fig journey if you haven't looked at their instagram already you must as it is so gorgeous i've also linked the six steps to creating your own gorgeous grazing board in the episode notes so if you're interested please go and check them out thanks again and see you next week (laughs) 